Okay. If you have your Bibles, go with me to 1 Kings chapter 19, starting at verse 7. I'm doing something a little different. I'm starting a series that won't, uh, I won't pick up on for two weeks. So uh, next week, Philip Cameron's going to be here the following week. We're on vacation, so we're going to be picking up on it the week after that. But uh, this series is called, I'll tell you later. All right, let's read 1 Kings 19 and 7. And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. Let's pray together. Father, we're thankful for your word. God, we know that it's truth and it brings life. We ask you, God, that we'll open our hearts to you so that life can become part of us. God, let me decrease so you can increase, and I'll give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you would, turn around, look at your neighbor, and say, the long journey home. I want to speak to you for a little while today on the long journey home. The passage that I read is Elijah's story. Elijah has just come from a uh, traumatic scene, if you will. He has just squared off with all the prophets of Baal, 450 prophets of Baal against him, not counting the prophets of the groves. He tells Israel, how long are you going to straddle the fence? How long are you going to halt between two opinions? If God is the Lord, then serve him. If Baal is the Lord, then serve him. And so he literally squares off with them. And man, you know what happens. If you don't, you need to go to 1 Kings 19 and read it. He puts a sacrifice out and the the deal was whichever God answers by fire will be Lord of all. And man, God lit that sacrifice up. When all the prophets of Baal could not get an answer, Elijah prays, and not only is the sacrifice consumed, the dust off the ground, the rocks that he put around the ground are all consumed. You realize how hot it's got to be to melt rock? And it's just all consumed in a moment and he ends up running to Jerusalem he's moving so fast that he outruns a chariot pulled by horses and he goes in and it's I mean I mean have you ever had one of those moments where you felt like yeah I, I've noticed that sometimes it seems like just following your greatest victory can become your biggest challenge and so Jezebel has put a contract out on Elijah. She's going to have him put to death, and he takes off running. He's just beside himself. A storm is brewing in his life. And that's when the angel of the Lord spoke to him and said, you need to get something here that I've prepared for you because the journey is too long. We are on a long journey journey home. And when you've been through a storm, it's easy to lose your way. How many of you have ever been in a storm before? And I'm not talking about raindrops falling on your head. I'm talking about a storm. A, oh, my wife was in one one time. I forgot about this. She, she was driving our car, and it had a sunroof in it, and she got in on a, she didn't realize that she was coming into a tornado, and it 
started dropping hail and it literally smashed the sunroof. Thank God she had the door drawn on that and it started pounding on that door and it took her a while to get over that. Storms will confuse you. Storms can cause you to lose your way. We need each other. Turn around, look at your neighbor and say, I need you. I know you don't like saying that, but say it again. I need you. Here, you'll like this one better. Look at him and say, you need me. See, because the truth is, is that we need each other. We need each other in order to be able to glean from each other and discover what we need to make the journey home. There was a story told about a young lady that was caught in a storm, and she was trying to find her way home. I wish I could find my way home. Did I, take, did I go this way? No. Maybe it's this way. That's, no, I don't think that's it either. Oh, oh excuse me, sir. Come here. I'm confused. Can you tell me which way I should take to get home? Well, I guess I could if I had a brain. Well, <laughs> I guess, but well, how are you talking to me if you don't have a brain? Uh, I don't know, but there are some people in this world that don't have brains that do an awful lot of talking, don't they? Well, I guess you're right. Man, I really wish I could make up my mind which way I'm going to go. Thanks anyway. Give them a you're hand, welcome. would you? Sure <laughs> words were never spoken. A lot of people that don't have a brain that do an awful lot of talking. So we have to discover what does it take to be able to cause us to find our way home on this long journey home. You have to be able to have a made-up mind. You're never going to find your way home unless you've got your mind made up. In James 1 and 8, it says that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So you've got to, if, if you don't get your mind made up that you're going to live for God, you'll always find yourself slipping out away from God. Until you make up your mind that I don't care what hell throws at me, I'm going to stand on the rock. I'm going to make, I, I, I've made my commitment. I've made my stand. It doesn't matter what comes or goes. My mind is made up. There's an awful lot of fair weather Christians. I had a guy one time, and he'd always, it, it was strange because every time deer season came around, he backslid. <laughs> he, 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 he'd get out of church, and I went to his house, and I was talking to him and, and asking him, and I said, so, you know, wh what's going on? I said, well, I just don't feel comfortable there anymore. And he, he said, I, I'm, I'm just, you know, trying to find a place I feel comfortable. I said, well, where have you been? Man, he looked like a deer in headlights, but he just, well, I, I really haven't you know, been any place lately, and I said, you know, I said, it seems to me, and I told him, I said, it seems to me every time deer season comes around, you fall out of church. I said, if you really mean what you say, you'd be, you would be at a church every Sunday trying to find a place that you feel you can worship God because there's nothing more important than your relationship with God. Everybody say, my mind's made up. But in order to make up our mind, 
we need to have something to base our decision on. Right? If, if, if we're not, in, how, can I, how can I make a decision if I don't have all the facts? I need something to base my decision on. And that, my friend, is the Word of God. Everybody say the Word of God. Philippians 2 and 5 says, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Jesus is the Word of God. Do you remember what John 1 says? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So we've got to, if we're going to be able to make the right type of decision, we've got to get Christ in our hearts and in our mind and focused on Him. Everybody say, He's our true north. See, if your compass is broken and it's not, it, it won't point toward the north, you're lost. And if you're building your life based on culture in this world, you're lost because culture is always changing. I remember when bell bottoms and hip huggers were the thing. I had me a pair. I looked good. I thought I did until she ripped the seat in out of my pants. She said, she did it without me even knowing about it. She decided I was out of style. So she found my pants and she took, her and her mother took the seat in out of my pants so I wouldn't wear those anymore. I put them on one day and I thought, what is that breeze I'm feeling? And then, hey, check this out. This morning when I was getting ready, I had on a really nice suit that she brought from home. And she looked at my pants and she said, take that off. I said, what do you mean take it off? I said, you're the one that brought it up here. I know, but I, didn't. I hadn't seen that suit in a while. Those legs are real baggy. Take that off. That's not in style anymore. So thank, you need to thank Debbie. Otherwise, I'd be up here with baggy pants today. And so she's, but, but what I'm saying is that if we base our decision and the direction of our life on culture, we're going to be so confused. We're not going to know whether we're a boy or a girl, whether we're coming or going, whether we're supposed to. You, you hear what I'm saying? When you can't even make up your mind, I, had, I heard a teacher on a clip, a school teacher, explaining to children that the way that the doctor does this is when you're born, he looks at you and he makes his best guess at whether he's a boy or a girl. If your doctor can't tell the difference between whether you're a boy or girl you need to go find a different doctor and if you hear what I'm saying there is an influence of culture that is trying to confuse you and trying to rob you of who God called you to be how many of you understand that there's always someone willing to tell you where to go well let me rephrase that there's there's always someone trying to tell you the way you ought to do it, right? I've got a four-year-old granddaughter. They're going to turn that sound up so we can hear her real good. And I want you to watch. She goes into a public library, and a girl is telling her what to do, and this is how she deals with it. Uh, where's where? Oh, I found it. I clicked it. 
an egg. I think we need an egg. There it is. It is. Click it. See? And we need that right on the table. Right on the table. Right there. The white thing. That's good. Okay, you don't you don't say something because do you see it? Uh, right there. You don't ask something because I'm having some quiet time. I think you know. You, you, you don't need to say something because I'm having my quiet time now. <laughs> In other words, get out of my face. <laughs> Quit telling me what to do. Just, I, I thought how, how, how smoothly she handled that. And I thought, boy, I need to use that for an instruction in teaching how to have some etic about us. <laughs> you know, most of the time we just, but there's always someone that gets on your last nerve telling you how to do it, how it ought to be done, do it this way, do it that way. And here's the thing, you've probably got more than one of those people in your life and they're telling you two different things so you don't even know which one you're supposed to listen to. If we allow the world around us to dictate to our journey, we're never going to find our way home. We've got to allow God to speak to us. Everybody say his word. The scripture says in Romans 12 and 2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Let me ask you a question. How many of you, since you gave your heart to God, think differently than you used to think? Isn't one of the first things that happens to us is the transformation of our mind. Not conformed to this world, but transformed by the Word of God on how we ought to think, on how we ought to act, on which way we ought to go. If I can follow after that, then I'm going to make my way home. But if not, I'm in trouble. Romans 8 and 6 says, So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. So the question is, who's in control? There was a missionary to the Indians. He was on a reservation. One of the Indian chiefs came up to him and said, Preacher, the best way I can figure this is there's a battle going on inside of me between a good dog and a bad dog. The preacher said, well, who's winning the fight? He said, the dog I feed the most. So you need to ask yourself a question, what are you feeding the most? Are you feeding your fleshly desires or are you feeding the Word of God into you? Are you focused on Him? There's a good litmus test. You know you, have, you check your oil to make sure you're not running the court low, right? Well, there's a good way to find out where you're at, and that's when somebody cuts you off in traffic. 
You find out which one you feed the most. When they cut you off, do you... Yeah, I know. <laughs> I was just letting them know they cut me off. Just trying to get their attention. Or do you just blow it off and go, oh, man, that was close. See, sometimes the flesh is ruling us, and we have to reel it in. Any of you ever have to reel your flesh in before? <laughs> you know, the problem is with the flesh, the more line you let it take out, the harder it is to get it back. <laughs> so you've got to keep it on a short line. Somebody say, keep it on a short leash. Don't let that dog loose. If we want our journey to be filled with peace, we have to keep our thoughts fixed on God. Isaiah 26 and 3 said, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Question becomes, how do we do that? How do we fix our thoughts on God? Paul tells us in Philippians 4 and 8, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about the things that are excellent and worthy of praise. What's Paul saying? Paul's saying if you're going to fix your mind on God, you have to get into a habit of thinking about the things that please God. Doesn't it just make sense that if you're, if you're going to keep your mind focused on him, then you need to get your thoughts on the same thing that his thoughts are on. If any of you started to... Uh, say something, especially like if you're married. Have you, ever, have, have you ever finished your husband's sentence? Guys, have you, has your wife ever finished your sentence? Bunch of scaredy cats. <laughs> what I'm saying, have you, ever, have you ever said the same thing at the same time? You know what I'm talking about? You, you started to, you, you both just opened your mouth and you started saying the same thing. Why? Because you've gotten to know each other so well that you're starting to think the same way. Does it, doesn't, it, doesn't it make sense that if you're going to keep your thoughts on God, you need to get to know him in such a way that you start thinking the same thing? Everybody say, I want my mind focused on good things. Remember, we move toward our thoughts. How many of you have ever been around someone that's negative? It's always talking negative. What's it make you feel like? It makes you feel, anytime I get around someone negative, I feel like I need to take a shower. What do you mean? Because it's like residue gets on you. You know what I'm talking about? Have you ever been around that where it's just like, oh, God. Would you like to come and see me next week? No. <laughs> I, I, I don't want to hang around that. I've got to keep my thoughts focused. If I'm going to make it home, I better keep my mind on Jesus. Amen? Somebody say it with me. Keep your mind on Jesus. It only makes sense. After all, his mind is on us. Look at Psalms 139 and 17. How precious are your thoughts about me. 
oh God, they cannot be numbered. How precious are your thoughts about me? See, some of us think God's thinking about us, but he's not thinking good things about us. How precious are your thoughts about me? Man, when you get a hold of that, it'll change the whole, your attitude. It'll change everything about you when you finally get a grasp on you're in God's thoughts. And those thoughts are precious. Have you ever been dating someone and uh, call them up? Call them up and you say, hey, baby. Been thinking about you all day long. And they respond, really? You haven't even crossed my mind. It's over. <laughs> it's, it's over. He's thinking, man, are you kidding me? You're going to see if you love someone and you care about someone, then you ought to be focused on them as much as they're focused on you. Now I know how God thinks about me. How precious are your thoughts about me, oh God? There are too many to number. Man, if God's day is filled with thoughts about me, shouldn't my day be filled with thoughts about him? If I'm on God's mind, shouldn't he be on my mind? But a lot of times, the only time we show up for God, or I, I hate to equate church with God, but you know, if, if, you, if you love God, I, it takes more than going to church to be a Christian, right? I mean, if, if coming into this house makes you a Christian, then when you walk in a garage, you're a car. It, it, it's more than about where you're at. It's about what's in your heart. But think about this. If the only time I think about God is at Easter or at Christmas, then you've got to ask the question, how much space does God occupy in my heart? God doesn't know how to be number two. He'll only be number one. He said, behold, I am God, and beside me there is none other. So if you want to find your way home, you're going to have to make up your mind that God is number one in your life. You've got to get your mind made up that I'm going to serve God. I'm not serving myself, and I'm not going to serve others. I'm going to serve God. Don't get anybody get excited. Remember, we, I, I tell you, there's been a culture shift, self-service. You remember when that started? I remember when you pulled into a gas station and somebody came out and put gas in your car, washed your windshield, checked your oil, checked the pressure in your tires. Now they sit in a booth sipping a Coke waiting for you to come and bring them money. It's called self-service. Fill up your own tank. Check your own oil. Wash your own windshield. I didn't put those bugs all over your car. Why should I have to wash it? See, it becomes self-service. It's self-serving. As a child, one of the things you're going to hear a child say, one of the, 
I promise you one of the first things that's going to come out of their mouth is, I do it myself. Mama, can I get a witness? I, I, I do it myself. But you not doing it the right way. I don't care. If I want to wear my pants backward, I'm going to wear my pants backward. I do it myself. See, here's the deal. Is that's all good that you want to be, you know, you, you, you want to be able to take care of yourself. But hear what I'm going to say. That spirit will become detrimental when you start to serve God. You can't look to God and say, I do it myself. You're going to have to come to God and say, God, I don't have a clue how to do this without you. I've got to have you. I can't make it. I can't do it. I've got to have you, Lord. Everybody say, I got to have him. Now listen, Isaiah 58 and 9, I'm sorry, Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. God knows us better than we know ourselves. And he's saying, look, I don't want you to settle for something less than I have prepared for you. I've got something for you that I built for you specifically. This isn't like a mass salvation where everybody just get up here and I'm going to throw some holy water out and whoever gets splashed gets saved. God knows us all individually. He knows us by name. He has numbered the hairs on our head. He doesn't have to count as much for me as he does for some, but he numbers the hairs on our head. He knows us. Everybody say, he knows us. So if we'll make him the center of our world, we won't ever have to worry about being lost. Jeremiah 29 and 11, for I know the plans and thoughts that I have for you, says the Lord, plans for peace and well-being and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. What's he saying? He's saying, I've, I've had you on my mind. I've prepared something for you. Do you remember that song? You were always on my mind. See, God wasn't always on my mind. There was a time that I didn't know God. I didn't know who he was. But here's the truth. I was always on his mind. When I was going through my worst stuff, when I was in the bottom of the deepest, darkest pit I'd ever been in in my life, I was still on God's mind even when I wasn't acknowledging him. And this is what he's saying. He said, I know what my thoughts are towards you. I know you haven't been thinking about me much, but that hasn't changed the fact that I've been thinking about you. And I'm going to redeem you. I'm going to revive you. I'm going to restore you. That's his promise to us. If we're going to find our way home, we've got to grab hold of his promise. Everybody say, hang on to him. So let's continue the journey with joy and confidence. Everybody say joy. You know, you're never going to win anybody to God if you walk around and look like you've lost your best friend all the time. Don't you come and go to church with me. 
you're going to love it. I might not be there, but you'll love it. If, if you don't have your mind made up to serve God, you're never going to be able to persuade someone else to. So you've got to get focused. Everybody say get focused. Hebrews 4 and 16 tells us to come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. I want my thoughts, my mind to be focused on Jesus, not on the things that are happening around this world. I'm not talking about living with your head buried in the sand, but I'm talking about if you're just focused on what's going on in this world, you're never going to find your way home. You're going to be so confused and frightened and, and, and doubtful. And the Bible said an un, an, a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. There was a guy that went to Trinidad with me. He was a preacher. And I talked to him earlier, and he was talking about, man, he was struggling with a spirit of fear just gripping his heart. And he said, I don't know where that's coming from. And he said, I, I, I'm trying to break it. I just don't know what to do. And I was with him for a few days. And after the third, along about the third day, I told him, I said, I want to talk to you. I know where this spirit of fear is coming from. I know why you're struggling. He came in, and he said, why? I said, because you fill your mind with junk. I said, you wake up in the morning and turn the news on, and you watch it all day long. I said, there is no way that you're going to be able to live an overcoming life if you're tuned into CNN, ABC, NBC, and even Fox. Do you hear what I'm saying? Nobody's got anything good to say. Do you know what the good news is? Thank you. The good news, by definition, is the gospel. That's what it literally means. The good news is the gospel. So if you want to live an overcoming life, if you want your thoughts focused, if you want to find your way home, turn off the set and turn on to Jesus and say, God, here I am. I love you. Oh, I, I, I keep an ear on what's going on, but I don't let it dominate my world because at the end of the day, He's in control. He's going to take care of us. He said, I know what my thoughts are towards you. He's going to take care of us, but we've got to keep our focus on him. Somebody say, I want to make it home. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross disregarding its shame. Now he's seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. What's it Hebrews telling us? That he's already won the battle for us. He's paved the road. He's made a way. Matter of fact, he is the way, the truth, and the life. So if we're going to make a difference in, look, if we keep our thought process on him, not only will we find our way home, but we'll help somebody else find their way home. There's only one thing better than going to heaven, and that's taking someone with you. And so today, 
If you want to take someone with you, would you stand up right now? I want you to think about somebody in your life that if, if, if their thought process doesn't change, they're not going to call heaven their home. If they don't get a different way of thinking, it's going to be devastating to their life. Now hear me. When you think of that individual, you take a deep breath and you say, here I am, God, use me. Use me. See, so many times when we think about someone lost, we, we, we begin to cry out, God, I don't know what to do. Let God use you. Not only will you find your way, but you'll be able to show them the way by just pointing them to Jesus. So if you're in this building today and you say, Pastor, I, I need God to get a hold of my thought process. How many of you have ever gotten down to pray and then all of a sudden you're way off in left field someplace? And you think, how in the world did I ever get there? Let me share a secret with you. One of the things that will help you is if you pray out loud. You say, why? Because it helps focus your thoughts. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing what? The Word of God. So when you're praying, pray the Word. Declare the Word of God. Speak the Word of God over your life, and you'll see it have an impact in your heart. So when we do that, and when we focus on that, it changes everything. Somebody say it with me. I want a change. If you're ready for that change in your life today, if you're ready to say, God, here I am, I want you to take hold of my thought process. I want you to rescue me. I want you to come to the front of this building right now. Would you do it? Just come right now. Our thoughts become our worst enemy. You're not my enemy. The guy I look at in the mirror every morning is the guy that I have the most trouble with. So it's learning how to arrest the old way of thinking. It's learning how to say, God, I, I don't want my mind to continue to go down the same road it's always going down. The only way that can happen is to have an adjustment in your heart. And we'll talk about that another time. But today, I want you to stretch your hands to heaven with your mind made up. Things are going to change for me. Things are going to change for me. Say it with me. Things are going to change. Amen. Give my hand clap of praise, church. Things are changing. What's your name? Chester James Bishop. Okay. Chet. Chet, just stretch your hands to heaven. Father, I thank you for Chet today. I ask you, Lord, to touch him, God. Apprehend. You, oh God, my God, I need you now. How I need you now. Standing on your faithfulness, on your faithfulness.
my mind with his word. I've filled it with the only weapon that I can use to fight against Satan. Think about it, the sword of the spirit, which is what? The word of God. So when I fill my mind with his word, I'm not helpless anymore. I have the ability to say it's written, to declare his word over my situation and speak it with a boldness and a confidence that God is going to take care of it. Somebody say it with me. I'm, I'm, I'm getting my weapon on. I'm, 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 I'm Thank you, Father. It's all right. Come on, stretch those hands. Oh God, my God, I need you. Oh God, my God, I. say God, God not a figment of my imagination he spoke this world into existence so if he touches you something's going to happen you may weep you may laugh you may fall something is going to happen if God isn't big enough to move you he's not God at all Everybody say, my God is a consuming fire. That's what the Word says about him. He's able to consume every bad thought, every evil thought, and bring it into captivity. 
and then all of a sudden begin to fill your mind and your heart with his word with his love until you don't even recognize yourself anymore you start thinking man what's going on i mean when i got saved i had people come up to me you're not the same anymore i said you're right i'm not the same anymore i don't want to be the same anymore everybody say i'm different and i choose to stay different come on raise those hands in faith I'm going to let you go here in a second, but I want you to hear me. The scripture never promised us a smooth road. But before we begin to gripe and complain about the road we've been on, take a look at the road he walked. And he walked that road willingly. Not because he had to, but because he knew that was the only way he could rescue us. He gave his back to a whip. His face to the fists of soldiers. He could have stopped them. He demonstrated his ability to do it in the Garden of Gethsemane when he said, I am he and laid an entire army on their back. But he told Peter, put your sword up, because how will the scripture be fulfilled? And so what he has promised is this, is your road may not be smooth, but I promise you, you'll never walk it alone. I'll always be with you. I'll always, I'll never leave you or forsake you, but I'll go with you to the end of the world. Stretch your hands to heaven with me right now. In power, then God move in power. Knowing that 
you've got what it takes to make it because you've got Jesus somebody said I got Jesus right before you leave I, I want you to say this with me power power of a thought he told Jeremiah I knew you before you were in your mother's womb just the power of a thought and I ordained you God has a plan and a purpose for your life before you ever breathed your first breath that's how big God is. That's how powerful He is. And I want you to say this with me right now. This is a declaration that we're making together before we dismiss. My mind, My mind is, made up. is made up. Say it again. My mind, My mind is, made up. is made up. I'm not backing up. I'm not, backing up. I'm not giving up. I'm standing up and declaring He's God. He's God. Come on, give him a hand clap of praise in this house today. Thank you, Father.
turns its back and it feels like the end, oh Lord. You were more than enough. When we're wounded and broken and needing a friend, oh Lord. You were more than enough. Lift your voice in. Oh Lord, you were more than enough. The wellspring of mercy. 